Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my dear friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. I have a question for you as we begin our message today, and that is, would you like to know the reason that the beautiful Church of Jesus suffers so often, suffers internally, and is often not a healthy church, and even mocked often by the world. Would you like to know why the church of Jesus suffers shame from an undeserved bad reputation in the world among sinners? I can tell you some of the answers And if you were to list some of the answers from number one through 10, this would be in the top five. Often the reason for the church being mocked, the reason for the church experiencing shame from the unsaved, the reason that many Christians leave the church is it comes down to this, Christian leaders don't practice what they preach, or I should say Christian leaders who don't practice what they preach. Now, there are many Christian leaders that do practice what they preach. They are godly men and women, and they are more concerned about the Lord than themselves. They're more concerned about the people of God than they they are themselves, about themselves. But too many are not doers of the word. They are only hearers. They lack humility and true love for others. They don't live out what the Apostle Paul tells us to live out in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4, where he says, do nothing. Nothing is emphatic in the Greek text. Nothing, absolutely nothing, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility or with humility of mind, consider others as more important than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. These kinds of Christian leaders are very proud very arrogant. It's all about them. It's all about them getting you to serve them. It's all about their name and their wealth. Now, so they don't live by the Word of God. And when that happens, that brings damage to the body of Christ. It brings discouragement to other believers. It leads the unsaved to blaspheme 
the church of Jesus because the leaders are not leading like Jesus. They are not living like Jesus. They are not serving like the Apostle Paul. They don't minister like the Apostle Paul. I was told recently by a godly woman that because of the harshness of a previous pastor who actually told people they must never approach him and they must never even think of correcting him, that she was afraid to approach me with an important dream that she had of me, that actually benefited me greatly. Well, let me tell you, I, I put her at ease and secure in my own position of God-given authority for her benefit, not to tear her down, but to build her up, I shared with her that I value her. I value her voice. And that, please, she should never fear or hesitate to approach me for any reason. Maureen was standing there, my wife, and I said, you matter to me and you matter to Maureen. Now, I know that gave her great grace, but can you imagine, just imagine for a moment, the Apostle Paul telling people, don't you ever approach me for any reason at all. Imagine him doing that. But you see, my friends, too many Christian leaders make people dependent upon them. They put them in fear. They place unbiblical restrictions on them. And I want to tell you that any man-made rule or regulation, any cultural custom that runs against Scripture, it must end. And what I'm saying here prepares us somewhat for the passage that we're going to see today in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 41, and wow, we are in part 92 of our series called the Know Your Faith series in the Gospel of Luke. And the title of today's message is Guard Your Heart Against Legalism. This is part one uh, in a two-part series, at least, on this uh, subject of legalism. Guard Your Heart Against Legalism. Amen. Now let's pray before we open up the Word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and to change us and transform us into the image of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we do that now. This is what you want to do. You want to make us more like Jesus through the power of your Word and the power of your indwelling presence. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come now and teach us and glorify the Father and the Son. Please open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to receive all that you have and miss nothing. May the heavens be open for the remainder of this broadcast, and may the result of the broadcast and of our lives be great fruit both presently and eternally, for the Father and the Son. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
Well, Luke tells us in Luke chapter 11, (coughs) beginning in verse 37, excuse me. Now, when he had spoken, obviously, uh, Luke is referring to the passage or the passages before this. So you might want to go back and refresh yourself with that, with the immediate passages. Now, when he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him. And he went in and reclined at the table. Verse 38, when the Pharisee saw it, he, now the New American Standard translation says he was surprised that he, speaking of Jesus, had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. But the Greek word translated surprised means to be amazed. It can mean to be beside oneself. It it can sometimes mean to be shocked. And in verse 14, uh, when Jesus was casting out a demon and the man was unable to speak once the demon was cast out, he was able to speak Luke tells us the crowds were amazed, astounded. Well, that is the same Greek word used here of this Pharisee. He was was astounded that Jesus did not go through the ritual ceremony of washing his hands before the meal. But the Lord said to him, verse 39, Now, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you, you are full of robbery and wickedness. What a shock to this Pharisee, a second shock to him that Jesus is immediately saying to him, you spend so much time on outward matters that are not part of the Word of God, but you are not guarding your own heart. You're setting up all these man-made rules and regulations. You've turned pure worship of God into a ritual, into things that people just go through the motions when they are worshiping him because their hearts were not right and they became harsh and legalistic and judgmental and demanding. My friend, if you are a Christian leader, have I described you? Are you unavailable, unaccountable? don't want to be bothered by people, always criticizing them, always comparing yourself with others, and you always come out on top, short-tempered, impatient. Does that describe you, my friend? If it does, then you've got a heart of legalism. You have a pharisaical heart. And you want to know why you're in this place today? Because you haven't been guarding your heart 
against these things. You don't live a lifestyle of repentance and of accountability toward others. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit knows, and He is here today to set you free. If at the end of this message, you will humble yourself, maybe even getting on your knees and asking God with a sincere heart to forgive you and to change you and to transform you to be like Jesus. My friend, a true leader of the church is a humble leader, not a proud, arrogant, self-seeking leader. Well, so this Pharisee invited him to have lunch with them. You know, ironically, a meal was a sign of friendship with someone. It was a sign of hospitality. There was nothing here about Jesus entering and the Pharisee washing Jesus' feet or even having a servant wash Jesus' feet. Nothing is said about that's something that was customary. But Luke doesn't even mention this. Instead, instead of the Pharisee serving Jesus, the Pharisee criticizes Jesus because he doesn't do what the Pharisees do. Now, Pharisees were, the original word means devoted or separated ones. They viewed themselves as superior to all other people. Part of it was because of their unmatched zeal for the Mosaic Law and the rabbinic traditions. These were extra-biblical oral teachings elevated to the same level as the Word of God. Let me point out to you. Let me show you exactly what I mean. If you have a Bible, hold your place here in Luke, in our passage in Luke, and turn with me to Mark chapter 7. This is exactly what Jesus is diagnosing. He's pointing this out. This is the background of the Pharisees, how harsh and legalistic they were. Luke, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 7, verse 1, Mark 7, verse 1, the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him when they had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, and they refers to uh, Jesus and his disciples. And they had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. Now, Mark is not talking about, you know, you wash your hands before dinner. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about an elaborate, very involved act of washing one's hands to symbolize ritual cleanness. Not in the Bible, but it's what the Pharisees added to the Bible. Well, Mark goes on and explains for the Pharisees and all the Jews 
do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands. Thus, watch this, listen to this, thus observing the traditions of the elders, not the word of God. And when they had come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. Again, we're not talking about normal washing of these things. We're talking about elaborate, extensive rituals of washing. Verse 5 of Mark 7, the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk, listen to this, according to the tradition of the elders? <laughs> you see, because the elders had set themselves up as the authority in Israel, but they had set themselves up even more than that. They had set themselves up above the word of God. My friends, maybe you're a teacher or preacher of the word, and you have done a pastor of a church, whatever. You have put things in place because someone else did that, and you're following along, or it's the it's the church that you grew up in or the denomination that you grew up in. And this is the way it's always been done. But you cannot find a clear teaching in Scripture for these traditions that you have set up and that are not of God. Well, Jesus answers them, with some very strong words in verse 6. And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. I'm going to be teaching on hypocrisy in several weeks from now. You hypocrites, as it is written. Now that phrase there, as it is written, means that he's quoting from Isaiah, which was written 700 years before this was written. But the authority of that verse continues in the present. So you see what Jesus is doing. They are demanding that the, the disciples conform to the teaching, the oral teaching of the Jewish religious leaders. Jesus is demanding that they conform themselves to the word of God. So he quotes Isaiah 6, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me. Their worship is empty. It's useless teaching as doctrines the precepts of men or the rules, the authoritative teaching of men. And he ends in verse 8, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. Well, he actually goes on from there, but that's all the time I have to, to go into that. That's, that's just some more background 
for why Jesus said what he said to this Pharisee who had invited him to lunch. Let's go back to Luke 11, verse 40. Jesus continuing his rebuke, although it is with the heart of redemption, he says, you foolish ones. Imagine him saying that to these religious leaders. You foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity, then all things are clean for you. Why would Jesus say that? Because, my friends, men or women who are in positions of leadership, in the church especially, who are legalistic, harsh, heavy-handed, usually are very worldly and very greedy. And that was the issue with the Pharisees. They were so, they were very, very greedy men. You know, the Pharisees were very popular with the people. And they were influential with the Sanhedrin. This was the, the ruling council of 71 Jewish elders in Israel. And they governed Israel's religious and legal affairs. I just want to give you an idea of the power and the authority that these men had, the influence that these men had. If you challenged these men, if you were just a regular person and you challenged them and said, you, what you are doing is not in the word of God, do you know what would have happened to you? You would have been cast out of the synagogue, and probably they would have said, you are on your way to hell, because they didn't bow to the Pharisees. And there were some in Israel that wouldn't, and they were cast out of the synagogues. The Pharisees wanted nothing to do with them. And what happened by this time is that religion in Israel was very harsh, very uncaring. The religious leaders did not care about the sinners. They didn't, they, they hated the Gentiles. They spoke very disrespectfully and degradingly about women. You see, they had no heart, no compassion for others, because that's what legalism will do. It will squeeze like a wet rag all of the heart of God out of somebody. And it will be of, no, they'll be of no use at all. Well, we're going to find out more in, in next week's message about how the response to what Jesus said and did was very arrogant and very threatening of him. Where are you at, my friend? 
Do you have legalism in your heart because you've not been guarding your heart from harshness and just focus on yourself, more concerned about yourself than the work of God, than the people of God? Where are you today? I want to pray with you right now. If you're a Christian leader and you're listening to this message and you have been guilty of not treating the people of God with genuine love and respect and honor, serving them instead of expecting them to serve you, demanding that they do things usually for you that are not even part of Scripture. I want to pray for you right now, my friend. Listen, the grace of God is here to forgive you, to redeem you, and to restore you, but don't harden your heart against the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is here right now for you. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'd like you to pray with me these words. Heavenly Father, thank you for your conviction. Thank you that you love me enough to send this man of God to preach this message for such a time as this. And I ask you, Father, to forgive me of my sin, forgive me of my harshness, forgive me of not honoring your word and getting in your way. Cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness and create in me a new heart, O God and a steadfast spirit before you. Show me afresh how to lead like you lead, Lord Jesus, how to lead like the Apostle Paul, how to be a true servant of your people and not a master. And Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy and your redemption. And I receive your forgiveness now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, my friend, if you prayed that prayer, you're going to need to pray that prayer more than just once, meaning that you're going to see this stuff come out of you again. Unless the Lord just takes it away supernaturally in one day, which he can. But old habits build up over the years. But a tender heart will enable you to live freely. But the only way that you can have that tender heart is to live a lifestyle of repentance, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you when pride sets in, when selfishness sets in and find someone that you can trust, that you can, 
that can hold you accountable, that loves you enough to say, listen, I see this in your life and I see that in your life. And then you humble yourself and you repent of your sin again. Listen, my friends, repentance is a great gift from God. I call it the gift of repentance. It's what keeps you and me clean and humble before God. Because Isaiah 66 verse 2 says this, But to this one will I look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. Now, my friends, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until next time, this is Pastor Brad Abley. Please let others know about the broadcast. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradabley.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on Amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after Him in every way.